Three, two, one. Wait, what? You want to redo it? Is that a new uh, recorder? Yeah, uh, the other one stopped communicating with my computer. It just totally, it, it, uh, it broke at Wrigley. So did the Cubs. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, somewhat distracted by the ambient noise here during batting practice at Bush Stadium. Joined this week by St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist, video star, chat meister, Swiss Army knife, do-everything, secret weapon, Ben Fredrickson. That's you. That's going to be your. We're going to borrow that nickname for you. You're the secret weapon. You're the post dispatch's secret weapon. When we need something multimedia, you're there. I'm overexposed. I'm like Tommy Edmond. I went into the season and everyone was wondering how I was going to get enough playing time, and then they go, "Surprise! Might 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 be playing too much." That's not a shot at Tommy, by the way. But he's been a bit overexposed this year. He's playing a lot, and that, they've asked a lot of him. Um, early leadoff hitter, now back to being leadoff hitter against. Left-handed pitchers, just a lot. For most of the season, he was the leading guy at multiple positions, second base and right field. Right. Along with being the leadoff hitter who had the most at-bats in all of Major League Baseball. I don't I don't know that that was what you wanted him to be doing this year. Right. That's yeah. a lot. Until this Brave series, he was leading the league in at-bats, and then Ozzie Albies overtook him during the Brave series, in part because the Braves scored so many runs. The Braves sweep the Cardinals. And that allows the Braves to get to a winning record for the first time this year, which is bonkers. Um, but they're, they have a winning record for the first time this year. The Cardinals continue to orbit 500, and that's where they were right at the trade deadline when they, you know, where basically baseball was thrown off its axis. I mean, excitement everywhere. Max Scherzer, former Cy Young winner, moving to the Dodgers. Chris Bryant, former MVP moving to the Giants, the NL West getting the hit leader as Frazier goes to the Padres. Lots of movement elsewhere. In St. Louis, they got older, they got grayer, they got shorter term, and I think the phrase that sticks in everybody's ear and ought to is they're just going to try to get through. Ben, how well did they get through the trade deadline? can't feel the excitement here in St. Louis for the uh, the trade deadline. Uh, well, judging by the first two starts of, of uh, Happen and Lester, not great. I here's what I here's what I kind of come down on it. One, the trade deadline was awesome, and it's how it should be. You know, I loved the observation of what someone on, on Twitter said. You know, it's great when teams don't when teams stop convincing themselves every prospect is the next Shohei Otani, like, and they move guys to try to win now and it comes down to two things I think more than anything one the Cubs really decided to rip the band-aid off I mean when you look at a lot of the moves that were made a lot of those guys were Cubs and two the NL West is insane right now and the Dodgers and the Padres are just standing there you know it's like one of those viral videos of the slap fight competitions where you just see these guys open hand clubbing each other and they're just like all right my turn now i get to go do it again and they're just going for it and and it's it's really fun to see um and you've got other teams that have said okay clearly we're 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 worried about the future later let's go now and it does i hope become something that continues like that's a theme baseball should have i mean when you look at baseball's 
periods of whether it's free agency or trade deadline and you compare it to other leagues baseball is so hesitant and it's so tied up in knots about well i don't know is the value there and it's so value obsessed that it's it's fun to see teams get it get a little more into the win now mode it's hard in st louis to watch that because that's not what's happening and you know kind of the same as it ever was six years in a row now which i'm sure you talked about in previous podcasts this that you've been keeping score how many trade deadlines before the cardinals make a win now move at the deadline i don't i can't get mad about what they did at the deadline because they weren't in a position to to go crazy i'm frustrated and still stumped at how they let themselves get to that spot yeah and you know i don't i don't think you really even want a team that's got a five percent chance of making the playoffs in a division that's being ran away with by the brewers to go go nuts and give away your nolan gormans and your matthew libertores but it's they should have never been in that spot they should have been in a position where they could have made more aggressive moves that would have made sense they let themselves get basically bled out to this point where they got to the trade deadline this moment they'd been waiting for and there was no point of doing anything and that's on them for not building a deeper roster but i think most importantly i think it's on them for not finding ways to supplement that roster long before the trade deadline arrived well that's the thing is i mean they set themselves up by not making a move earlier and the contrast is there with the brewers right brewers made a trade at the deadline but the brewers also had a need and recognized the guy to get and move fast to get it and that's like the separator right like the the Brewers go out and get Adamus about the same time, roughly, that the Cardinals lose Jack Flaherty, right? And that's where their paths diverge. And any sense that, like, the Cardinals go, well, you know, we weren't one player away or we didn't want to mortgage the future for the now because there's a lot of other teams ahead of us to leapfrog and everything like that. We'd rather try to catch lightning in the bottle and see what magic happens. Um you know, yeah, well, you, you set that up. You put that game in motion by not making a move earlier. Now, you know, did they try? Sure, they made phone calls. They contacted the Twins about trying to get Barrios, and look at what he went for. I mean, they were not going to give their two top prospects, and the Blue Jays did. Kudo for the Twins for holding out and right. asking the right money. But you telling me that you couldn't get Hap? You couldn't get... Well, you probably couldn't get Lester, but you couldn't get J.A. Happ at that time to help you. You couldn't find somebody like that. You know, they said, well, they didn't think any of the free agents would be ready for another four weeks. Four weeks later, they really could have used the help because they didn't make any moves. Yeah, they didn't They didn't want anything to do with Cole Hamels, and maybe that's smart. But they sent somebody to scout him after they said they didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. So tell me, how, tell me why they went if they were so determined that he couldn't help them. I... I got really frustrated this year because I saw it again where it was that same thing about the, the team needs to prove it deserves a move. Well, no, the team was proving it deserved a move when Jack Flaherty was, was pitching every fifth day and the Cardinals were winning this division. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jack Flaherty made his last start, I think they were a half game back in the division behind the Cubs who, who, have, who had completely imploded. So there it is. That's, that, was the, that was how they needed to win, get good starting pitching, and play good defense and come up with enough offense. And, yeah, when you take away your opening day starter from that and you have not backfilled for Austin Gomber and you, you let Miles Michaelis, you know, get hurt and didn't didn't bat an eye and you let, you know, you, you talked yourself into Carlos Martinez being proven when he had done nothing to prove himself, you know, all of these things finally came due and then the Cardinals were like, well, we, we couldn't possibly 
make a move. And yeah, there I'll, I'll defend them on this. There were no there were no real pitchers traded this season before the deadline. No good, no great ones. And you know they didn't want to give up. You know we did see high prices at the deadline. So okay. But every single year, there's a team that beats the market. Every single year, there's a team that sets the market. And the Cardinals have talked themselves into this idea that they can't be the team that goes first. Right. They have to see what the landscape is first. Well, somebody has to go first. And this year, it was the Brewers, and they look smart for it. And the Brewers have continued to look smart for it, for aggressively improving their team, no matter, not based off of when the schedule says it's easy right. or when it's convenient, right. but when they when they want to and when they can do it. Yeah. And they and they find ways to get it done. And as Schilt likes to say, you know, it's either it's a do or you don't league. And the Cardinals, they they had their weakness. They knew what it was. They they slow played it to the point that by the time they did a move which would have made sense and maybe it wouldn't have been Lester and Hat, but those kinds of guys yeah, yeah. it came too late and now they're going to get Flaherty and Michaelis back but it's going to be too late I mean it's too late and that's what that's what stumps me is you see the offseason and you see this aggressiveness for the Arenado deal and you see the push to bring back Wainwright and Molina and then it just like it just stopped and whether it was the budget or whether it was, you know, overconfidence in their depth. And I won't be a phony. Like, going into spring training, I thought their pitching looked okay. But I remember, and I went back and looked at the stuff we were writing from spring training. We were down there together. Michaelis got hurt, and we were both like, oh, this is big. And yeah. that guy was supposed to be your 200-inning horse. And I was like, well, maybe they have enough to, to, to let him work his way back. And then K- KK's back gets messed up. And that's when I was like, okay, they, they got it. The it. same thing they were saying about their depth now is what they were saying before this season, and that doesn't add up. Yeah. They've, they've they've got they've got warning lights flashing over a 200 inning starter, and the guy who was one of their best starters last season in KK, but their tone never changed. Right. And then when Flaherty went down, I was like, oh well, now they have to do something. And it was still as if, well, now we can't. And it, I think they, I think they, you've said it best, and I'll quote you: is like they talked themselves out of so many deals, of so many ways they could go. That they needed someone talking them into ways to help this pitching staff before it was too late. Yeah, and they, the manager was, in, he was and doing everything in his power. I yeah, mean, he won't. Well, no, he didn't show up to the post game zooms with a sign on his neck that said "Send help." Yeah, and he is the first to say he's not going to try to be the front office, and he's very respectful of those terms. But I mean, using the Mike Schilt translator, he's basically he was he was standing on the desk screaming and jumping and I mean, how many times, asking for help. How many times was the answer, we work with what we have, we work with what we have, when the question was about, like, hey, you had to go to your bullpen pretty quick there, and you're like, hey, we work with what we have. You know, I mean, that's that's what he was saying. I I, I think too often, you know, and even the, in the Arenado deal, you can say, say this metaphor works. You know, the Cardinals are the kid at the end, edge of the diving board, looking down, going... Gosh, I wonder about the gravity of the situation. And the Brewers were the kid that runs by and jumps and sees what the gravity holds. You know, I mean, they, they, there's not a recklessness to what the Brewers have done. The Brewers have, you know, they were like, hey, we're willing to end up with nobody because nobody is what we might, you know, have to deal with. But we'd rather try for Yelich. We'd rather swing big and wait them out and see if we can get Yelich. You know, and the Cardinals were like, we don't want to end up with nobody. We don't want to be in the spot where now we got to go into free agency, and the free agent that's available is Andrew McCutcheon, and or wait on Yelich and then have him never traded, you know. So they made the move. Then you look at this year, the the Brewers are like, we have this need, we see this guy 
who might be free from his team and perform better. Can we get that guy? What's it take to get that guy? Really, they didn't give up like a whole lot. And they traded with the Tampa Bay Rays, who are notorious for winning deals, right? They just found a reasonable, like a guy who was a depressed, you know, had depressed performance in one place, a possible reason for it in the lights and, you know, just the circumstance there. And they're like, well, we can get this guy at the right price because we think he's going to be far better for us. And they took that risk. And they took the risk. Why did they take the risk? Because they were getting, they were, they were losing games because of their shortstop play. Right. And they saw a need and said, this will not work. Not in this division. We'll we, lose too fast. We have to try to do something to change it. And if it doesn't work, at least we tried. Yeah. And the Cardinals instead say, well, how can we be sure that that will be better? So we better just wait. And it's, I use like the skiing metaphor. Like there's, there's two ways to, if, if people who have ever snow skied, you, you, you can either go down the mountain, pick your lane, and ski it, or you can go down every five yards and stop and look uphill. Right. And if you're the, the team that's always stopped looking uphill, looking around, wondering where everyone else is, wondering who's coming, that's how you get trucked, mm-hmm. and you end up yard sale all over the mountain. The, the Brewers pick and they go, and if they hit a bump that, that sends them off in the other direction, they cut another path. Yeah. And you know they were able to get better at the deadline again with Eduardo Escobar because they made the, the other deals. I mean, it's not... There, there's all kinds of ways to improve your team over the course of a season, the big one being the trade deadline, but we just haven't seen much interest in the Cardinals trying to actively build a better team after spring training, and we haven't seen it. I mean, we have to go back to you know 15 before you you know before before you can find a team that kind of got added on in piece by piece over the course of the season. And I was trying, you know, I, I thought this is be- we've had six years now to come up with metaphors for this but it's yeah we're doing really well i think like okay so you have ian right you have your son i don't have any kids but you know i've seen parents try to teach their kids how to ride a bike right you got the you got when you take the training wheels off it's really pressurized like you don't you don't push the kid out into the street on his bike and then just say good luck you'll see when you get back no you you run behind the kid and you kind of balance you know in case there's a fall you try to minimize it sometimes you catch them sometimes you don't but you kind of you're right there behind, and I'm doing this as if people on the podcast can see what I'm doing, but I'm like, you kind of squat down and like run behind the bike, you know? Mm-hmm. The Cardinals front office doesn't do that. It just pushes the, the team out on the bike and says, all right, see ya. And it's like, well, that's not going to get you to the finish line. The team, there's going to be bumps. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be wobbles and balances. And if the, if the front office is not actively trying to steady the bike, then of course it's going to fall. And then you get to the halfway point, which is, I guess, in this term, the trade deadline. You're like, well, the team's the team's fell, fallen over. We can't possibly, you know, why 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 pick up the bike now? It's already a crash. Yeah. Well, yeah, but if you would have maybe caught a stumble when Flaherty went down, maybe you would be in a great spot to add to the trade deadline. And it's just, it's a confusing lack of aggressiveness when they you felt like they entered the season with a real interest in, in mixing it up and right. it's, it's confusing I don't know what other way to put it and you know I we knew the money situation of the Arenado deal it wasn't a massive spend it will be bigger you know contract later but it did have a sense of like okay they're they're interested in getting after it this year but nothing since then after getting back Wainwright and Yachty's suggested that that was the case it's very interesting kind of the moves that they made because there there is a sense that they are going for you know it's it's almost like the cardinals are betting on two tracks one is we're going to get guys who we know who they've been 
and then we're going to rely on guys for what we think they can be. And there's a distinct lack, with few exceptions, of relying on the guys that they are. Does that make sense? Like, get Goldschmidt and get Arenado, and those guys are, you know, all-round players, former All-Stars, perennial MVP discussions, and we're going to trust that they're going to be who they've always been. And we're going to outfit them with outfielders who we're going to trust are going to be more than they've been because we project. And there's, you know, there's a lack of we need guys for what they are. And, and like, an example of that would be, like, the rare, the rare exception are, like, Flaherty. Like, they need him to be who he is. And Adam Wainwright, they need him to be who he's been. Um, but, they, you know, Yadier Molina, you could probably argue, you know, like, they need him to be who he is. Um, but there's a real lack of consistency. And I know that, uh, you know, Moselec pushes back when I ask him about, like, certainty. Like, you know, certainty has a cost, right? Like, if you know what you're going to get from a guy, then that guy can, or the team or whatever like that, can say, hey, you know what you're going to get. We're going to charge a higher price. He says something like that doesn't exist. Well, you know, I'm not so sure. Like, quality starts exist. You could identify starters who are going to give you quality starts. Now, you hope for more than that. But what's wrong with setting that baseline as, God, you know, could really use a starter who's going to give six innings? We know that. And in a way, then they go out and trade for a couple of those guys that they're like, at the very least, we'll get, you know, four or five innings from them, and that maybe might lose that day's game, but isn't going to lose the next three. And so, in a way, they traded for certainty, um, but it was way after they needed it. They waited to do it on their terms. Right. But then they, but then you look at, at, at where they were by the time they got there, and it was like, okay, you know, is this even going to help? And, and I, it will help Oviedo to not get put through the ringer here anymore, and it will help, you know, Woodford maybe. And it, I think that was part of it. They bought some yeah, big part. relief for those guys. But you see the, you see the kind of head scratching in that is like, okay, so at the most important part of your season, you were leaning on the guys you are now taking the pressure off of. Right. The least important part of your season. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't exactly. That's doesn't not square. How it's supposed to work. That's exactly for, right. For a contending team, and hey, it, as the division was drifting away from you, you were relying on guys who now you are openly admitting with your actions you don't want to count on in the Crucible after you're already ten games back. And that's it's so true. And that's when and and that's that's as close as they're going to come to saying we overbet on our pitching depth and we were wrong. Yeah. And we should have built a better bench, and we were wrong. And you know, the, the question becomes then, but, but but why didn't you do it sooner? And, and and it you know, at what point for this team and this organization is the price and the pain of of upgrading that is it gonna is it gonna be worth the squeeze? And I think that's the the, the question the fans want to know is, you know, ten years without a World Series, it's gonna be. You know what? What's the urgency from top down to 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 really get back to those le- those levels? And you know, I think that there was some some energy entering the season of a team that maybe you know had aspirations of getting there. It wasn't perfect, but there just wasn't any. There was no signs of that urgency after after Arenado signed up and Adam Wainwright and Yachty came back. Well, we had. And, you know, it's not. There are plenty of things to talk about on the field too like the team can't throw strikes and the team is once again awful at offense like there's other things that can be discussed but I think most people you know are looking at 
the front office is kind of going, what was the plan all along just to get Arenado and just see how it went until later? Because that's kind of what the season has played out like. Yeah. You know, they, they like this guy. They like the cost of the deal. And he's, he's going to be around for a while. So just let this season play out and then maybe see if he can be a part of a championship team later. Uh, it's confusing. And especially confusing when you now see other teams are not treating this as a pandemic year. You know, other teams are saying, no, we're going for it. I mean, Tony LaRusso is going for it. The Dodgers and the Padres are going for it. The Yankees are going for it. I mean, this is re- this is a real season. And, and the Cardinals are still just kind of, it's like they're, they're flame one out. It's interesting because we spoke a lot about how, you know, if everything went right for the Cardinals, were they still, um, could they still match up with the Padres? Could they still match up with the Dodgers? Could they still match up with the Titans in the National League? And we talked about how well they'll need to add like a starting pitcher. You know, like, like that was like, that was like, okay, if they can make their case, they probably ought to be the best team. Um, don't, you know, don't, we, we discussed the Brewers, don't dismiss hey, you were the, on the Brewers. Congra- yeah, that's a pet. Appreciate and shout out to you. You were pointing out the Brewers in the beginning. I've learned to not write them off, but you knew you you thought they were going to win the division. I don't think you say you picked them. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I picked them to win the division because I followed the pitching depth. And when we had to make our picks, it was the end of spring. The Cardinals had none, you know, or had. That's not fair. I'm overstating. The Cardinals had severely tapped into their last drip of pitching depth, and the Brewers still had theirs. And you know, so I followed the pitching, and the Brewers were better. But we still talked about how they were a starter away. They were a starter away. Could they get in position to be there for Scherzer when the Nationals moved him? We, I mean, we articulated that and how that would change their season. Instead of what's happened where they get to the trade deadline, where they could change their season and enhance and augment their team, they got to a point where they're trying to survive. So the phrase that Mosaic used at the trade deadline was just to get through. They, they they didn't talk about thriving in 2021. They didn't talk about it. They talked about just trying to get through. That was the phrase, get through. Basically survive. They needed innings so that they don't capsize and fall completely apart. And they still are, no one wants to hear it, but they still are teetering on their first losing season with Mosaic in charge of baseball operations. That's still a real possibility. And it was maybe going to be a certainty if they didn't provide help for the rotation in some fashion just in some guys to bulk innings. They needed Costco innings um, and got it from, you know, Vetch or maybe still get it. Maybe, maybe. So here, this this is a long way of asking, or this is a long prelude to the question of if this year is about surviving and they just get through, then how enormous is on the pressure, is the pressure to thrive in 2022? I, you know, this notion of like they're never all in, they're they're about sustaining success. I'm sorry, but I I look at it from this: is if that the they've put, if they've decided to just survive this season, then they have definitely put their chips in next season, and the expectation should be: are you're going to win a championship, right? Because that's what you, okay? Because you took last year as your mulligan. And you took the year before that as your pandemic. So what moves are you going to make? Are you going to win a championship? Are you going to put people in positions where what you can expect is a championship caliber team? Not hope, not count on, not, not think it might manifest, but where you can expect a championship caliber team. Because no team that has Paul Goldschmidt 
and Nolan Arenado at their current age and their current salary should play like this and not be championship caliber. That's just my view. Not two years in a row. I mean, I think there's one person who has to answer that question right now, and it's and it's it's Bill DeWitt. It's Bill DeWitt Jr. I mean, what is his itch to, to have another championship? And, and how does this 10-year... You know, this is an organization that appreciates records and appreciates longevity, and we hear a lot about sustained success and the consecutive, you know, run of winning seasons, and we, you know, we we hear that a lot, and it's fair. I mean, when you look at what has what has happened under under Mosaic's leadership, a lot of wins, a lot of high-ranking, you know, high-ranking spots and regular season wins and and, and regular and postseason wins and appearances, but that you cannot trumpet those accomplishments and then also ignore or try to gloss over 10 years without a championship for the team that leads the National League in them. Not when the, yeah. not when the Dodgers are beating down the damn door doing everything in their power to get more. Um, and you pointed that out. And I, 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 as much as I want to say, yeah, they need to be all in for next year, like, we, don't, we haven't seen any signs from the leadership of the team that this season's not acceptable. Have we? I mean, no. nobody's. And I'm not just demanding people be. I mean, Schilt maybe in facets. Fired or demanding. I mean, we haven't seen, we haven't seen, we haven't seen players who aren't performing traded. We we we've we've heard Schilt get fired up and and call for help, but the calls were mostly unanswered. There's been no there's been no reorganization of of the underperforming hitting staff. There's been no reorganization of the underperforming pitching pitching instruction. They did have the meetings with it to be, I mean, they, they had the two moments this season where there seemed to be like, this is not good enough. One was coming out of the Braves Detroit, where they were very public about the offense was right. poor, the approach was poor, they had their meetings, they, you know, the word was that they had the meetings, that they were raw, they were intense, and they came out of there saying, we got to be different. And Schilt came out of there saying, we got to be public about being different. Which, you know, usually that stuff will be written about and reported, but it won't be the manager, not like, I mean, I, I think you'll remember, like, I no, was no, asking yeah. about, like, the I'm meetings that they had. People but being demoted or no, no, I know. taken away from the team. But that was the moment that it was about to happen, yeah. and instead they were very public about, we've gone in the wrong direction, and we as a coaching staff need to do better. Then the other one is we're in the midst of. The other one is, you know, the, the walks to the Braves and the series sweep, where the difference in the score in the third game that we just watched was eight to four, and they walked four batters in with the bases loaded. The other one where you're going to see like the, the the accountability or whatever you want to say, the reor, you know, the the pressure to change or to make a change, we're in the midst of that right now. That that that's the second one where he said this has been a problem all season that we should be able to control, and he said no pun intended, and we have not. That was the signal that we're in the middle of it now. And what happens in the coming week, two weeks of August, will be reflective of how they answer that because that they've gone and they went and added strike throwers. They've gone and added LeBlanc who said his mechanics and delivery were off. And you know what he was still able to do? Get through six by Cuzzy. <laughs> could throw strikes. Yeah. So what was missing from the other ones? And, you know, so you, I think I think we're in the midst of that second reckoning the, of the season. And 
I still think it there needs to be, you know, and I, I think there needs to be something, and, and you know, DeWitt is not going to come out and bag this season before they're mathematically eliminated. It's just not his style. Right. But I, I think ownership needs to have some candid things to say about the way this team has played this year and the way that this needle has moved in the wrong direction for a team that still presents itself as a team that wants to compete for championships. I mean, you and I are here, and we look around, and there's more and more empty seats every night, and it's only it's only going to get more empty as the season goes along here, except for the night that there's some great giveaway. Um, fans are well, even that it wasn't know, sold out for right. Simmons, and we're and we're not talking about the Twitter the Twitter. They're giving away tickets to a September series against the first place Brewers. At this point, you're gonna be like it's like you buy a ticket, they give you more money at the concession stands, and you paid for the ticket. Like, come on, like we're 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 not being alarmist here. There there's a there's a growing disconnect, and that's not gonna work for an organization that wants to have two million people here every year. So. I think three million. Three. Well, this year maybe. Three point four. This year you have to add up every game. Here's the deal: fans want to hear from the folks who are making the calls about what you just said. Where is the urgency? They want to hear from that 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 the needle is going to move it back in the right direction, and they want to see signs. And you know, the Cardinals will still get good crowds if they don't. But the diehards, the people who are following this team day in and day out, are saying, "Why aren't? Why are there no signs the team is as frustrated as we are?" And, you know, this year is going to add to that discussion. Are you – I'm going to put this on the tee for you. Ready? Yeah. How much latitude do you give the Cardinals for using injuries and two months without Flaherty as an explanation slash rationale behind their – is it nonchalance? about the season or their their movement away from the season their their explanation of why the season did not go right zero percent i think mike schilt can mention it because he was not given anything to to make up for the injuries but the front office doesn't get to mention it not if you not for people who care about the context i mean look at the braves they had they were playing without ronald acuna jr they went out and added three new outfielders the padres every time fernando Tatis jr steps on the field his shoulder falls apart um, I mean, some of the best players in baseball have missed big, big time this year. Some of the best pitchers in baseball, you know, the Mets have been injury plagued. Um, you know, look, look around and just go through the injured list of other teams and see who some of these guys have played without, and it will make it will make that excuse shrink in a hurry. And I don't mean it as the team obviously missed Jack. Their season went down the tubes when he got hurt, but the fact that that other teams had other big you know, wins above replacement, sapping injuries, and they didn't just go, well, wait for him to get back. Yeah, Braves really found, didn't found a way. Braves didn't really mortgage their future when Acuna goes down or Azuna is, you know, has to leave because of, you know, the charges against him. And they go out and then they get Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall Soler. and Solaire. And, you know, they didn't really cost them a whole bunch. They just cycled through. I was talking with a few members of the Braves, and I was like, you guys remade your outfield on the fly, on the trade deadline. And the, the guy with the Braves goes, twice. Like, we've gone through it twice. And you know what got them to a winning record? Yeah, they're there. And they're in the race. They're in the hunt. In a division that's 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 open for it's business. soft, too. yeah, yeah. Or not every team did that. But what was the difference in those teams? They had more depth entering the season. You know, you, that's the thing. You can't play it both ways. The Cardinals are guilty of two things. They baked in too much hope to their roster, and then when it started to go, get threadbare, they didn't act with the urgency of a team that knew they had baked in too much hope. 
if you want to if you want to lean on hope, I get it. Okay, see how it plays out. But then once those injuries start popping, then you got to go. You know, you can't. You have to be honest with yourself. Do we leave it a little thin? If we did, we're gonna need to act if something happens. Or do we overload it so we had we can have some more patience? We can we can we can pump some other guys in there. They left it too thin, and then they didn't bring in any reinforcements, and the worst case scenario happened. They injuries exposed their their lack of depth, and then they didn't have the moves to add to it, and and that's how they got here. And that's how you go from a season that started with a team that looked like it could win the division to one that gets to the trade deadline and it makes a move that it should have made months ago. We talk about the Braves, and the Braves have a manager from within their system, a guy who was been, been there so long, Snicker, who was also the manager for you know Wainwright when he was a prospect with the Braves. But they have a GM from outside. The Padres want to go in a new direction. They got a general manager from the outside, but then who has brought in people from other areas to then shift the dynamics from how a team is rebuilt to now one that capitalizes on the kind of big spending, big you know, big players, big additions, and big prospects that they've created. The Dodgers wanted to go in a completely new direction where they mixed what Tampa Bay was able to do with a small market um, budget and give that group the strength to do it with an unlimited budget, well, lim- whatever, an unlimited budget. The Giants wanted to change their culture. They brought in a bunch of new coaches, the biggest coaching staff in baseball, a brand new manager from outside. A lot of those folks came from outside. We're sitting here batting practice as the Cardinals get ready to face the Royals. And by all accounts, Mike Matheny, as a manager for the Royals, a guy who came from outside their system, and is in his second chance of being a manager, has really made strides there. You know, I mean, his, the, what he's done for that team um, and what he's done for his career as a manager in this second act is remarkable, but he had to go elsewhere to do it. Are the Cardinals too wrapped up in continuity? I think they could use some additions to the group think tank that push in different directions. I think they are guilty of being on a one-track mind and maybe how they think, and it's kind of to the point now where they could use somebody to maybe come in and be a voice of that pushes in the opposite direction. I think one thing they're clearly missing, and this goes back to, I mean, it's probably the, it's the role that Larusa played so well. It's who's the person, who's the person that when they when they drift toward thinking, okay, future first, who says, what about today? Where's that person? And I hoped it could be Schilt. You know, we've, we've seen him kind of tiptoe up to the line of wanting to put his, his hand on the lever, on the gas pedal, or foot, I guess would be a better word. But, but, then, he, but then he stopped short, and that's when we get to, well, that's not, that's not my role, or, well, that's above my pay grade. And I don't ever remember Tony LaRusso saying something was above his pay grade. And that's not a knock on Schilt. Tony's a Hall of Fame manager. He's in his third stop. He was from the outside. You better believe that Tony LaRusso was saying at the deadline, get me Kimbrell and let's go win a damn World Series. Because those prospects, they're going to be there next year. But that ring, it's going to be pretty damn awesome. They need that guy. And I don't know if it's in the front office um, or in the dugout or maybe both. I don't know. But there needs to be someone who comes in or is promoted from within or even just gets a bigger voice 
or more trust or more chance to speak who is reminding this group, whether it's Mo or Gersh or DeWitt, what it's like to win that championship. Where's the where's the person who's going to say, yeah, prospects are great and, and, and these guys are awesome, but you know what I miss? The sweet taste of champagne. Where's that? And that's, I think, what they're missing. And, and they've kind of wrapped themselves in this past success. Well, now comes the point where they're, they're their brush with that highest success is getting so far away where they're going to have to acknowledge that too. And and I do I don't know what the answer is, but they need someone who they need someone who's who's thinking about today and not as much the future. They're about to be on the brink of the sense where Wainwright and Molina move on and the players remaining are ones who have been in the playoffs and go I want to be in the playoffs as opposed to guys who have been champions say I want to be a champion um, I wonder if that's part of the slide the day. we heard Schilt we asked Schilt we are talking about injuries and he was saying you know look he was more or less saying we wished the Cardinals would have given him more help their front office would have given him more help but he kind of mentioned you guys said you know, going back to 2019 he goes we had guys who started every time you know took the ball every day our, our rotation never really wavered and I was sitting there going so that's where this is now we're going to 2019 is going to be used as the good example but that's that it happens i mean it really happens when you have fewer and fewer people who have been to the mountaintop then all of a sudden a quarter of the way up the mountaintop seems like halfway and i mean it it happens right before your eyes and i i think it is happening to this to this organization some where they yeah and i mean you think about who they acquired like acquired Goldschmidt, who wanted to get back to the playoffs, and he's a big part of the team. They acquired Arenado, who wanted out of Colorado, which he saw as a sinkhole, regressing from the playoffs. You know, uh, you know. I talked to Yadier Molina the other day, who's in the come next coming week or next few weeks, going to engage the Cardinals and talk about a you know 2022 and a contract, and he wants that last one. And as I, I was talking to him about it, and you know, he's got some personal things that he wants to. He's burnishing a. Cooperstown resume. I think I think by now the conversation has shifted to when he gets in, not if he gets in. But I don't know. There might still be a few people willing to die on that, that fading hill. That's yeah, fine. To look really stupid. Less than a quarter of the people, but whatever. You know, I mean, there's I mean, whatever. It's going to be, be my favorite cold takes exposed here. Yeah. Now. Yeah. All the hot takes about yeah, he's just not going to cut it in the Hall of Fame. Out. That's right. not going to age well. But he was talking about getting another ring, and Lester brought it up too, which I think was interesting. Like John Lester coming in, a guy who we were like, "What do you, you know?" Like I asked him, like, "If four more wins, 200, is that important?" He was like, "Another ring is important." And I was like, "I hadn't heard of something like that in a while around here." Wait a minute, I hadn't heard that in a while from someone. What, you know? And and I get that like some of it's undercurrent, some of it's just unspoken, and some of it is they don't they feel they don't need to say what is the what is the brand. But you're right. Like, look, somebody coming in and going, hey, look, consistency is great and continuity is great, but ultimately it just gets you where you've been. And you haven't been where you want to go in a long time. It's noteworthy. And other teams are passing you. You know, the message that Mozeliak said when he went went up the level to President of Baseball Operations was he felt that the Cardinals had been surpassed, had lost an edge that they had. And that was five years ago. And I think you could still say that they are behind in a lot of the ways other teams are going. Um, part of that is because they hold on to prospects. Part of that is because they haven't had free agent deals 
work out well at all. Oh, they made some bad decisions. Yeah. And part of that is because they've they clung. They decisions to erase the bad right. decisions. That's actually the bigger problem. And they've Every clung. team makes bad decisions. Right. They A lot of them just press, tri- press redo faster. Right. And they, they've held on to continuity and consistency as their, you know, as their compass and not, you know, pointed in the direction too often of, hey, let's take a run at a championship. You know, it's... They're the team that has cruise control and doesn't know when to hit the brake to turn it off. It's hard. How to, that metaphor? I like it. It reminds me of our driving trips at spring training. <laughs> yeah. Lead, I call them lead foot gould, everybody. Um, no, you're right. And I think the that's, I'll repeat what I said earlier, that's the divide with the fans, right? A lot of them. And not just the Twitter crazies. It's it's they're yearning, they're fired up, they want to win so bad again that they're wondering why the team doesn't feel the same the same fire. And it's not a and it's not a hey that guy struck out that that guy struck out cut him. It's it's where's the where's the where's the burn where's the where's the where's the the desire and it's I think it's it's a it's a fair question now to ask and it has been in a really really long time. They're starting the pregame here, which means we should end the podcast and look around. I mean, we're not being moved from our seat here, Ben. We're not being... There is no one within multiple sections. I guess there's a family of four. Royals fans are here. Some Royals fans are down there. I mean, they got the... the, the this is not... There's not many people trickling in here for the Show Me State games here. That's should be alarming. That should be alarming. The Governor's Cup is on the line. Oh, wait. Wrong sport. But Isaac Bruce is going into the Hall of Fame, though, so that's cool. That is cool. That is cool. Ben, thank you very much for joining me. I'm glad that you weren't traded. I have 10 and 5 rights. You're almost there, right? So I can't be traded. I'm like I'm like first-year arbitration, man. You are. You are. But I'm really waiting for the new CBA, so I'll let you know. I'll report back. Yeah, I have been tasked with manipulating your service time. <laughs> I really feel like I wasn't promoted soon enough. I, my agent had a billboard outside of the post-dispatch, but it, it was the old office and nobody saw it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that explains why like, I started writing some of your stories just to massage your service time during spring training. I'm like, no, no, Ben, let me do this. Pod. That's why you haven't been appearing. I wonder why you kept telling me not to write so much. Well, people have been asking why you haven't been a regular on the podcast. Now it can be told. You know, I'm just trying to keep you under the full year of service time this year on the podcast. Because I know that uh, I know that arbitration bill comes due, and I'm trying to keep you one year further away from free agency. I'm gonna go call Scott Boris right now. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 15% off and get free installation. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN today. That's 1-800-BY-D-E-S-I-G-N. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. You can find the best podcast in baseball anywhere you get your podcasts. It's also available on stltoday.com along with all of the constant Cardinals coverage. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. This has been the best podcast in baseball. Talk to you soon.